Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silva and Gold. Coming to the ring from parts unknown at a combined weight of 853 pounds, Piccolo and Dr. Zong. song is so good. Welcome to Silver and Gold, Daddy. I'm the loaf and with me, Dr. Song. Gets me amped. Yes. I watched that video again this week just because, Daddy. Uh-huh. Uh, welcome to the show. This week we'll be doing a couple of films as usual. Um, again, no, no double feature, but uh, we're going to do... Uh, All About My Mother, an Almodovar film from 1999, and The Big Sleep, the Bogey Bacall one from 1946. We'll get into those soon. I think I may have a tenuous link just off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, Both of them deal with confusion. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Oh, my God. Did my dog just fart? Woo-ha! Dig it. Uh, So, uh, how are you, sir? I'm all right. It was. Um, I didn't realize that it was like 46 degrees out, so I went and got on my motorcycle and went for a ride. It was a little chilly. Um, <laughs> not too bad, though. Uh, been. Um, I had a few days off uh, and uh, had a good time with Miles and Sammy at Whorehound. And, uh, you know, everything's going good. Wait, you went to Whorehound? Yeah, well, Miles and Sammy. Well, right. <laughs> They show up every time. Um, yeah, I, uh, I told you. Yeah, I had a I had a weird, <laughs> I had a weird couple days. You know, back to back to my old roller coaster. Uh, my allergies got so bad last week. I don't know if I sounded a little nasally. I probably do this week still. My allergies got so bad last week. By Thursday, I was literally like, you know, like. When it's super cold outside and then you come in and your nose is like dripping like water. My nose was doing that everywhere <laughs> and it was warm outside. Um, luckily, I had Thursday off, but by Friday, it was still no good, no bueno. So um, I called out Thursday or Friday and I ended up having four days off in a row and I was fucking just like so bored, ready to do something different by last night uh, that I ate pizza and watched Big Lebowski and um, partook. And, uh, it helped the night go by a little faster. So, just um, been, um, watching just shitloads of hockey, and I mean, um, so my movie watching is probably the sh- the smallest it's ever been on the show. Uh, let's get into it. All right. Well, let's get into it. Let's get into it. He says. Um, oh my god, a hair, me mustache hair. Me. God, uh, might have been going straight up my right nostril. Yes. <laughs> oh. Fucking had a white it's... one that curled straight up like a fish hook into my. <laughs> and I don't have any wax. 
Just get some jizz, get some pre-jizz, put it on there, right? pat it down. And then you can just go and, and be like, ooh, I remember. Yeah, this reminds me of, you know, the old days. Anyway, um, <laughs> speaking of whorehound, yeah. God damn it. Okay. Well, I can't tell if it's coming down out of my nose or Oh yeah, the, you get you get the both. Sometimes it comes out of the nose and like does a little tango with a mustache hair. Yes. And then it's, sometimes it's the other way around. Braid, braid up in there. Um okay, well, the first movie I watched is something you watched and could not get into, but also something that uh totally you could take The Big Sleep, The Big Lebowski, and this movie Inherent Vice from 2014 together. And and make like a triple bill. Yeah. Um, the Big Lebowski is definitely funnier. Uh, it's more of a, definitely more of a comedy. Uh, Inherent Vice is like the Big Lebowski without as much humor. It's more like a Raymond Chandler detective movie uh, that takes place in the seventies with uh, and and the uh, the the the. Philip Marlowe character is a, as Norm Macdonald would say, yeah. a dirty pot smoking hippie. So, it was, or, or as Josh Brolin would say in that movie. <laughs> yeah, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but I enjoyed it. I, I um, it's it is uh, much like the Big Sleep. It is uh, long and it kind of. I don't know if I want to say it kind of gets convoluted. And... Yeah, it doesn't make sense sometimes. Yeah. And I have a theory about it that may be a spoiler that I will ask you if we can remember when we get take a break. Yeah. Uh, because it might change how you see the movie. And I don't want to see if you saw, saw the same thing. Well, and I definitely uh, – that's one thing about talking about this one is, is uh, you know, we're going to be talking about the big sleep here in just a few minutes. So it's kind of one of those ones that it's – it's easy to to start comparing the two, so I'll hold off on that. But I I liked it. I, I it wasn't like a ten or even a nine or whatever. But uh, there were some good things and some bad things. But I yeah. I enjoy. It. I'm glad I watched it. And I only uh, rented it. I did not buy it. Cause I'll end up buying it because I want to I want to revisit it. Like I when I said I don't know if I said I didn't get into it, but it was hard for me to follow completely. Yeah. And um, I want to watch it again. It was one that was released early on iTunes, and then but you couldn't rent it. It was just for purchase. Oh, I yeah. just waited and waited and waited. I'm like, I'm not buying the sight unseen. <laughs> Jesus Christ! And it's still twenty bucks too. So. Yeah. Okay. And the next thing I watched was a thirty for thirty on ESPN. I hate Christian Leitner uh, from 2015. <laughs> Fuck Christian Leitner. <laughs> yeah, this one was pretty good, and I still, I still pretty much. Now I will say toward the end. I mellowed a little bit, but yeah, he's a dick and I don't give a fuck. Um, he's the kind of guy that if he was my teammate, I wouldn't give a fuck if he was seven feet tall or not. I, we would fight because, <laughs> you know, like they showed him and how he treated his own teammates and his thing was to, to get more out of them, to make them mad. Uh, like he would like pat Grant Hill on the head and, and do all kinds of shit to like Bobby Hurley and all this stuff. And I'm like, I mean, I, I'm more of, I, I, I had said before I was listening to Ralph Nader's podcast and a guy was on there that wrote a book and he had the most winning coach in college football history. Um, and, uh, and then, uh, Bill Walsh from the 49ers and 
I think Wooten from uh, UCLA when Bill Walton was there and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Mm-hmm. And they were like three of the winningest coaches in the history of their sports, and none of them used the screaming, yelling, cursing out, degrading, demeaning their players. Uh, none of them used the Vince Lombardi, you know, uh, hate method to motivate their players. And they are three of the winningest guys. The, 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 the football guy, he was, um, I think it was Division Two, NCAA Division Two, but still has won more games than anybody ever. And so I don't think you have to do that. And I think he's just an asshole. I, I, and he even they, there were so many people on there, even his own teammates that were saying, you know, he was just a bully. And then they justify it because he was good. I don't give a fuck. Fuck him. I think Jerry Stackhouse and him fought on a plane once when they played for Detroit. It's just a douche. Uh, they they were they would have played against each other when they were Caroline and Duke. Yeah. So I mean, there, there was a lot of hate there, and then there was some stuff that like when they brought up and i don't think this is right no matter how much you hate hate like uh well first of all it's just a sport but then they would say well it's just a game it's just a game and then they would show him like stomping on some guy that, that <laughs> yeah the guy from kentucky yeah and so you can say what you want and say well it's just a game but that's bullshit and um um some of the stuff he did but i just like i said i just don't think that's that's the kind of shit that uh, i don't even yeah. like that like i watched i'm a flyers fan and i watch like bobby clark uh uh clips of him and he'll he'll take the butt end of his stick and just as he's skating right beside an opposing player after the whistle's blown and play is over and just jam the guy right right in the fucking eye with the butt end of his stick you know it's just kind of like okay that's bullshit yeah Fuck. you're just a dick i just look at it like okay if if this was somebody i worked with you know, or something like that. <laughs> you know, I don't know. What a fucking... He's just a fucking dick. Fuck him. Where did you watch that? I, I want to watch that. It one. was on... I just watched it on TV. Yeah, it wasn't on... Oh, okay. Because my friend is a Duke... Uh, is a Duke uh, fan. And yeah. he keeps saying, is it on Netflix yet? And I was like, no. I just have... I've caught it It twice. just came out like this week. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just happened to catch it the other night when I was watching hockey. Um, I watched 2014's Wolf Cop. Nice. Uh, directed and written by Lowell Dean. I bought it uh, at Walmart. It's uh, I think it's maybe like ten bucks, maybe twelve bucks or something like that. But everybody kept saying it was good, so I, I thought, see it. well, I'll just go ahead and get it. And um, I watched it last night, and I thought it was fucking funny. Um, the trailer is it's like almost like Hobo with a Shotgun. When you watch the trailer, you're like, mm-hmm. fuck, this looks like it's gonna be good. Unfortunately, Hobo with a Shotgun wasn't good, and the trailer <laughs> was. Uh, now to get a different perspective justin the cinemasticus said that he thought this one was boring and he loved hobo with a shotgun hmm. i thought this one was pretty fucking funny and i like the effects uh, it, it is a kind of a to me uh oh what the fuck uh who's the ones that did uh kabuki cop and all that shit toxic avenger and all that Oh, trauma. Trauma. It's it's kind of like trauma, but to me, it's it's not that bad. <laughs> it's it's a little bit better, you know. Okay. And uh, I liked it. And uh, I think I don't know what it's rated. It has to be rated R because it shows tit and it's got a ton of violence. Yeah, if there's tits, it'll be rated he R. Rips people's faces off and shit, which just reminded me of Vishnu. Um, <laughs> let's see. And I never heard of anybody in the movie, but I thought it was just entertaining. I don't I'll know. have to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, next thing I watched 
and this is the last thing uh nice. watched uh yeah it's short <laughs> i watched the gray again uh from 2011 with uh yeah. liam neeson joe carnahan written and directed um it's just cool this movie's just fucking good it's fun to watch now i i saw some um pictures of the wolves and how they did them they actually had like uh mechanized uh like oh. like they did in jaws with the sharks and stuff it's not cgi they actually had these things uh and some of them are just like the front like from the say uh mid torso to the front and right. then the back is on like rails and the guy sits there and can open the jaw <laughs> it's almost like you know puppetry or whatever you know um, practical effects um i just enjoyed it i thought it's 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 a good movie and it's still still um that scene on plane at the beginning where the they have the plane crash and Liam Neeson's talking to the guy that's dying still fucking chokes me up. And also some of the scenes where he that he is either dreaming and he's oh, like, like laying yeah. with his girlfriend or his wife or whatever. And it's still I mean, this this it's just a kind of a it's a action movie. And at the core there's a lot of deep uh, emotional stuff in it that I really like. Yeah, I like that one a lot. And um, like I said, I watched. Um, I've been watching. Well, the, you know, just about every night there's an NHL game on, but also um, they've been having the tournaments for like Big Ten and and all and all these different NCAA tournaments. So I've been watching them. And then watching uh, uh, Western Hockey League, and I, so Will, Will was asking me the other day. He goes, "How are you getting this? You know, because it's like <laughs> Pacific Northwest, Canada, and the United States." Um, uh, and late at night, I'll get these games from, you know, like Wash ESPN three and stuff. Yeah, well, it's on uh, it's on Root, which is the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates and Penguins home oh, wow. network. And the only thing I'm thinking, well, they said that that Western Hockey League, a lot of, I think they said like 20% of NHL players have come from there. But not only that, I also, but I think that, because um, I just thought it was weird. I was like, well, if it's on a Pittsburgh channel, why wouldn't they have a more East Coast games on there? But I think it just works out well because of the time thing. Because right. you're going to have stick it on in the middle of the night. And yeah, you're going to have yeah. you, you have content because you're going to have pirate games and penguins games on at regular times, and then that's why I catch those usually on my day off, and it'll be you know one o'clock in the morning or something like that, and there'll be these games on, and they're fun to watch. So anyway, that's I, I why I had cable for so long yeah. that I I don't like. There's a Fox Sports South here, but like you know we don't have in a big enough like. Like the hur- hurricanes don't have their own hockey network, or I mean, or sports network. Like, there's no North Carolina sports network, so we don't really, we wouldn't really get that. Like, that Fox sucks. Sports South would be the closest thing. Um, but well, I haven't had cable. The there so is, you guys are just so it's so you don't have a lot of pro venues, but you have so much college. With oh just, yeah, you know, well, and I've been watching college basketball like crazy this week. Um, I didn't w- watch hardly any WVU this year. WVU won last night against uh, Yeah, and they got Kentucky next, which yeah. is kind of scary. I'd like to see them beat Kentucky. Well, I'm just, you know, I'd like to just I'm, – I'm along for the ride. They're the uh, state uh, team, so. And Bob I'll, I'll root for anybody against, uh, against Kentucky right now just because they're the <laughs> – What about I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't hate Kentucky or anything, but, you know, I mean, 
they're they're I I have to root for the underdog against yeah. them because you know. Oh, it's always like, nice to root for the underdog. Carolina's my team, so if if it's not going to be them, then I just want the underdog to win. And I mean, there's granted Carolina's still in it, but they played well against Arkansas. But I think they matched up well against Arkansas because of the way Carolina plays, and this, that's Arkansas tried to do to Carolina what they do to most teams and wear them out. But Carolina's like. <laughs> they they're there's like they have the five starters and then about seven more people on the bench they can also yeah. play well so, if, if you watch that christian leitner thing you'll see somebody at the beginning uh that uh, it just surprised me that, okay. that but i'll let you watch it and, okay and see about um it. <laughs> but they uh, i mean you know the, the, the but watching them play against harvard was pretty painful mm. And yeah, we'll see how the rest how they do. But it's been fun. There's been some really good games. Like the the last couple of days have been more kind of standard and boring. Um, but they're you know the first day was really exciting because there was all kinds of shit going on. So and the NC State's one to watch too. You know they're uh, they've been playing some exciting basketball. So I, I like this time of year with basketball. Yeah. Um, I watched. I watched. My week was mostly rewatches. Honestly, I only watched one new movie this week. Um, the Human Shield with Michael Dudikoff, and I don't even remember if I finished this. It was a big fucking turd. It was on uh, YouTube, and like it's it's stupid. It's like he plays this Marine who I think he trained Iraqi soldiers or something, and then like he left. But then his brother gets taken. Uh, I don't know if it's hostage or what. Basically, it's like he helped train Saddam Hussein uh, to be a fighter. To be a fighter, or at least a guy that looked like him, and um, then his brother, as kind of retaliation, and when the Gulf War is starting up, gets taken hostage to kind of draw him back, and so it's kind of like I thought it was going to be like this, like cool, like you know, Dudikoff action movie, but it just like it was all of him like doing this like CIA shit and like just questioning and figuring out where somebody is, and I don't know, it was dumb. Dumb Fuck that movie. Um, it's on YouTube if you want to watch it. Don't nah, watch it though. I think I'll pass. Um, let's see. I rewatched Deep Red, Profondo Rosso, um, the Dario Argento Giallo, and it's still really good. A, a very attractive movie. Um, David Hemmings always makes me think of Paul McCartney in it. Um, but yeah, I like that one a lot. Uh, Zombie. Another rewatch, Lucio Fulci, another Italian one. Um, and I watched all of these on Blu-ray, too. I dug into my uh, Blu-ray box because it's been a, long, a while because I have all my Blu-rays under the couch. And I, d- <laughs> I dug in there and started watching a bunch of Blu-rays that I haven't seen in a while. Suddenly your couch was level. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know what? I remember I had my, my, had, I had my big purge where I threw yeah. away a, tons of cases and, uh, and just had the discs and little plastic sleeves in these like in these. Organize, organizational boxes under the couch. So, um, and I don't have that many Blu-rays. I mean, I, I have I have a few, a couple of those little boxes full, but not too many. But uh, I haven't seen Zombie in quite a while, so that was fun to revisit. Um, I used to have a Zombie T-shirt, and I posted this on a couple groups, and didn't really get a whole lot of traffic. But I'm trying to find a new a replacement because that one wore out, and uh, I want one without the word Zombie on it. I just want a picture of that classic Zombie with the worms hanging out of yeah. his eyeball. Um, but it's cool. There's some really good uh, effects in it. We'll have to review that one sometime. It's, I like that one. Um, Alien. Rewatched Alien. Haven't oh, seen that one. That's a good one. 
And I, I put that one in and realized about halfway through, I was like, fuck, I probably haven't seen this since they re-released it in the theaters back like 10 years ago. I have that one on blue. Yeah, because I bought the, the I bought this. It came with a set. There was like an alien Blu-ray set that got really cheap one day. I don't know if it was an error or what. I think I got the whole thing for like twenty bucks. Yeah. It's like all the alien movies plus like an extra thing. Um, this one, when I saw it in the theater, it was. I was. I'm pretty sure it was Halloween night, and it was my brother and I. Uh, and one other person in the theater. And it was like this one lady that sat all the way in the back corner by herself. <laughs> and then my brother and I were who sat right in the middle. Um, still really good. And uh, But as I'm watching it, I'm just thinking of people bitching about Prometheus and just looking for any reason to uh, prove that this movie also has people <laughs> acting stupid in it. Um, I, <laughs> I posted an interview with Yafet Kodo, and he talked about how good he got along with... Um, uh, what's his face? Um, Harry Dean Stanton. Harry Dean Stanton, because yeah. both of them smoked a lot of pot together. <laughs> um, and then I watched Prometheus, and it was kind of neat watching them that close together. This movie's stupid. Yeah, fuck that movie. Um, but it was kind of neat watching them together with that, because I I had forgotten that the ship, the round like donut ship, yeah, uh, being in an alien like that. Um, so it's kind of cool. I like that whole mythology there they've made with the round donut ship was an alien. Yeah, hmm. at least on I the Blu-ray watch I watched. I don't know if they added that in, but it was. I mean, it didn't fly. It was when they got the distress call, uh-huh. and they land on the planet, and the when they're they they're walking up I'm like, what the fuck is this? This giant like thing just sitting there in the dirt. I have to go back and yeah, I haven't watched it in a, long, in a while. So yeah, see, I'd forgotten about that. So um. Still like Prometheus, though. Still really nice looking. Um, you know, and I've had that Blu-ray forever, and I've still yet to watch the extra features on it. I should have done that. But um, anyway, uh, I revisited Raising Arizona, uh, Coen Brothers. Uh, we use names. <laughs> oh, right. Code names. <laughs> That's fucking two idiots. <laughs> That's fun. They were funny. And I still love when he when he comes out of the mud screaming, and he um, <laughs> he picks up William Forsythe by his feet. Out of the the hole in the ground, and like when he was going to, uh, he, he was attacking. Uh, what was a uh, high? He was attacking. Yeah. John Goodman was, or one of them was attacking him in the trailer. And when he did like the, he was going to do the uh, Macho Man double fist thing, <laughs> and he scraped his knuckles. On knuckles. The, he hits his knuckles on the fucking <laughs> the, the popcorn ceiling. Wow, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was a good trailer fight yeah. too. Uh, I thought it made me think of. Uh, 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 Kill Bill the <laughs> trailer fight there. Um, I have that on Blu-ray too. I don't know why. Uh, one I don't have on Blu-ray, which I should get, I guess. It doesn't really matter. I watched it on DVD. Big Lebowski. I watched that one last night. Um, I I de-stressed and then watched Big Lebowski, and I've never watched it in a de-stressed frame of mind. Mind, and I gotta say, it was funnier than it ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty fun. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about though. Um man. But I'll just say I've never I've never quite laughed that much at Jeff Bridges dancing and um uh Jesus licking the yeah, <laughs> licking the, the ball. ball. Uh John Tuturo is fucking hilarious. <laughs> it's um but yeah, and I watched that one because uh uh Tector had uh you know said that he had read that this this 
that that the Coens were trying to do a Philip Marlowe, and I could totally see it now. You know, sp- watching Big Sleep and this so close together, plus the the um, the Mitchum one I watched a couple weeks ago. Love, love, and fuck, I forgot the name of that one already. Something my lovely farewell, my lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Big Lebowski still really good though. Been a while since I've seen that too, and another one. That I don't have on Blu-ray, only on DVD. I watched The Thing. Um, this, I was eating some hot, cheesy pizza during, and some of the special effects got, got made me pause for a few minutes because, like, the string would stretch, like the cheese would do as like a stretchy string, and then those fucking like tentacles would start whipping around. I was like, Bleh. I hate that one where that fucking thing's attacking all those dogs. I still just ugh, those poor yeah. fucking dogs. When the dog's back splits open and those fucking like <sighs> like the ropes come wiggling out, Bleh. yeah. And I love the fucking head crawling upside down. <laughs> Good shit. <laughs> and Wilford Brimley looks so weird in that movie without his fucking mustache. <laughs> anyway, or however he looked, maybe he did have a mustache. He didn't look like himself. Did he, he still look young? I don't think he did. Did he? I don't think so. He played. Let me see who he played in it. Wilford Brimley played. Blair. No, he didn't. Yeah. He didn't have a mustache. He looks weird without a mustache. He was kind of a, a gruff. Gr- you know what was probably wrong with him is that he what he didn't have the alien in him. He um, was just stuck out there, and he didn't have any insulin for his diabetes. <laughs> he was fucking just flipping his shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's my dad when his fucking sugar gets fucked up. Keep Ugh. keep all uh, axes away from your dad during Christmas. Yeah. Um. Oh, and uh, fucking. Let's get the food out. And stop talking. Kurt Russell's so Jesus. cool in it, but uh, and uh, Donald Moffat. I don't know what's going on with that dude's eyebrows, but uh. <laughs> did his hair never match the color of his eyebrows ever? Like I, I, I always remember him with these bright white eyebrows and his red hair, or dark hair. So. Oh, uh, you got anyway. Kurt Russell's sombrero, you know. Yeah, with the front flipped up like what Gabby Hayes. <laughs> it was big. <laughs> it was not practical. I guess it's to keep the sun out of his eyes during. So, when it, yeah, but he wore, fucking, he wore glasses that were so black it wasn't even funny. Yeah, he wears the shades, and then those Norwegian guys are wearing the real th- the snow goggles with the little line that's a little slit open Sweet. in the front. So. Um. Yeah, that's it. That's all I watched. Yeah. So why don't we take a little break and come back and uh, why don't we get big sleep out of the way? We'll we'll stumble through this one. (laughs) We'll be right back. (laughs) When you're watching movies, are you sick of remakes, reboots, reimaginings, reinventions, and Reese Witherspoon? Are you fed up with movies where giant robots try to remake Enter the Dragon? Do you think that torture porn is vastly inferior to 1970s drive-in porn? Do you find Botoxed actresses with fake tits and action heroes with no chest hair a turn-off? Do movies where no single shot lasts more than two and a half seconds piss you off? Yeah, me too. That's why I do Paleo Cinema Podcast, a podcast for films more than 20 years old. So if you think that Sid Charisse is a guy and that Myrna Loy is a kind of metal you need Paleo Cinema Podcast. Go to paleo-cinema.com and do yourself a favour. 
Nothing says bogey and Bacall quite like Parliament. Um, Defunct the foul. Take it. <laughs> and uh, uh, the Frost Giant there might need to uh, redo the rules on Paleo Cinema because if he doesn't want uh, Botoxed actresses and, and, no, and no chest hair, I think it's starting about 1990. <laughs> so he's already out of that 20 year window. You might need to go 30 years on this new rule. So, um, Cool. So, The Big Sleep. Uh, Zom, would you like to synopsize it? I'll synopsize. Synopsize it. Oh, what the fuck happened here? <laughs> okay, The Big Sleep. Um, private detective Philip Marlowe is hired by a rich family. Um, before the complex case is over, he's seen murder... That's number one. Mm-hmm. He's seen blackmail mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and what might be love. Love. <laughs> <laughs> Never again. They had it all. Um, Just like Bogey and Bacall. All right. Now, I love Humphrey Bogart. Yes. And I saw this movie. It's been quite a while. So this is a revisit for me. Um, and I didn't know if maybe when the first time I watched it, I was like maybe not paying attention fully mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, I felt like I missed something when it's over. I had the feeling and I've described, uh, the Hong Kong cinema, the wuxia genre this way. It's a, it's a, it's that, that genre in tip in, in general is I like the movies, but I couldn't tell you what the fuck happened by the end of it, but something about them sticks with me. Now that I've seen this twice, I, I can say that it's, it's exactly the same experience. And I knew this time going in, I need to fucking watch this fucking like eyeballs Floats. peeled. Yes. Um, this is a... Fill your this balls. Is, this is a confusing movie, plot-wise. And... For me, and maybe not for everybody, for me it suffers because of that. But so much is done right in it, and it has Humphrey Bogart in it with his giant head. And the dialogue and stuff like that is the saving grace and makes it an enjoyable experience for me. I only wish, and I could could not help, as I mentioned Big Lebowski, I couldn't help comparing the two as I'm watching it. And I know Big Lebowski is kind of silly and everything, but... The Coens set out to make, in Philip Marlowe style, a confusing, you know, kind of bumbling, quote-unquote, detective story. But I was still able to follow that one, even yesterday, (laughs) when I might not have been able to follow everything perfectly. And now that I've seen Big Sleep twice, I still, I'm, I'm better with it. Yeah. And I went and read, and I'm like, well, fuck, I didn't, you know, if I didn't read, like, a, a, long, a lengthy plot synopsis, there's still stuff I would have missed completely. And I was also 
uh, horrified this morning when I was looking on my computer and I did not see the notes that I took for it. I was like, well, fuck, I'm lost. I'm just going to have to just listen to you talk the whole time. So you you have you have Bogey and there's a there's a great little shot at the beginning with the finger ring and the doorbell, and it's this it's and it's funny that you know you what you're saying Seamus is, is yeah Seamus has to be a Philip Marlowe story I don't know if it's was it the Big Sleep I mean is I can't remember everything that happened in it. No, because there's the stuff with like jumping over the wall and everything where he almost killed himself in the tree or whatever. Um, but the, you know, there's some there's some parallels in it, especially the one I posted about the bookstore. But like the 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 PI story is one that I've always been I, I, I'm drawn to it. I like the aesthetic of it, and I love the, like I love the film noir, like the witty banter that is not. It's not quite realistic. Like nobody really talks like that. Maybe not. I mean, maybe they did in the forties. I don't fucking know. But yeah, they. But they. You know, the back and forth that a lot of these people have, especially in this movie with the, uh, the, the sexual tension, I guess, between yeah uh, Humphrey Bogart and uh, Lauren Bacall, who's really damn good looking in this movie. Um, very but young. The, the, very young. How much? Very young. Was she was only like twenty. Him and her. Uh, like twenty years. Jesus, I think he. You know what? It might be like eighteen. I think he was thirty, thirty-eight or forty when he did this, yeah. and she was twenty. He was a fucking poontang child, Rob. Well, whatever. I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Let me see when he was born. I'm gonna look this up. This movie came out in forty-six. Bogart was born in. 1899. God damn. So never mind. He was 45. Yeah. 40, 46. Old fart. And Bacall was, yeah, tw- 24. So she, when they were filming this, she would have been 20 and he would have been 44. Oh. See? Well, there you go. Good uh, good on you, Bogey. You can get some young poon. Um, Dig it. But you know they, you know they made it work. Love was just a number. Or age was just a number for them. Love was just a number. Um, <laughs> now, <laughs> an eight hundred number. Um, the the there, there's PI stories out there that I can completely follow and I appreciate. And this one, like I said, it suffers because of it. Anyway. You have Bogey come up. Well, first you just see his hand ringing the door, mm-hmm. and it's a, you get a lot of things like that. Um, with uh you know the the you're kind of you don't you're not introduced to him at all you're inter- you're you were dropped right into the middle of the story and that's kind of how that's kind of how these these Marlowe stories work in general you don't get like oh this is this is my life and whatever you get that sometimes but cuz you always with a lot of them you get the um the PI guy uh they have to live in a shitty house so they'll show him like eating uh eating old food eating old chinese food or some shit but this one just starts right off he's going in the house um and he is taken back which is a kind of a, a neat thing and this is this is adapted from the Raymond Chandler novel and the Raymond Chandler novel reading the synopsis of that there's some stuff that they could have put in here and I'm curious yeah. now to see the uh the the Mitchum version of this from the late 70s to see what they put back in because yeah. surely they're allowed to be sleazier 30 years later. Hell yeah. I'd like to see them make it now, but they'd make it with fucking Channing Tatum or something. 
Well, you know, every time Marlowe has been successfully portrayed, I think that he's been a lot older than he should have been because I think the detective himself was only in his 30s mm-hmm. and everybody that ever plays him is old as hell. So, <laughs> But um, you, uh, he walks in and already you get some of the back and forth. He gets, uh, we're introduced pretty early to, he, he's walking into a, 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 essentially a mansion um, and he's, uh, we already get introduced to uh, Carmen Sternwood after he's, he's waiting to go see the general and um, Martha How old Vickers. was he supposed to be? You think? He said, "I, I don't know." She's like the the dad was implying that she was still way too young, or maybe he was. All right, little pause there. Um, the so I'm not, I'm not I don't remember quite who was implying that she was young. I don't think she was. Well, she kept sucking her thumb and shit. Like she almost looked like a, a like a a. Um, I was wondering if she might have supposed to be like you know. A little bit underage. I don't know. I couldn't tell. Like, I'm, I'm wondering if in the story it was like spelled out if she was because she was definitely a hoe. Yeah, and and she had I a mean, reputation. That's my, as such. In my definition of what a hoe is, she would be a hoe. Yeah, exactly. And I, I liked how Bogey would always tell her to stop sucking, stop yeah. biting her thumb. He'd slap it out of her mouth. Like, stop that. Yeah, I bet he was slapping. But she was, she was. Uh, Martha Vickers wasn't wasn't too hard on the eyes. And she got these little shorts on. The, the 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 broad shoulders on that little top she had on was a little yeah. odd. She um that? she died of th- uh, throat cancer when she was only forty six. Yeah, it's like he's like, "Ew, get away from me! You're too young." And then he's going after somebody who's twenty years younger. <laughs> she was just she was just, she was on she was a little bit too, you know. I think well yeah, I but bet I think you five bucks in the real story he fucked her. Uh... They'd have to really change it because they, they they imply that he fucks a couple people in this movie. Yeah. So um, with his big head. Oh God, it's so huge. So he goes in to see the general. The general, uh, we we spell out, and the, even this time, I still had to rewind just to see exactly what the guy wanted from him, um, because I I wasn't quite I didn't quite understand. The family somehow is being blackmailed by by a guy named, uh, what was his name? Started with a G. Guy, Geiger or something. Geiger. Geiger. Now, yeah, Geiger is somehow blackmailing the family, and it has something to do with gambling debts that Carmen, the younger daughter, has picked up, and she has signed these notes over saying, "I owe you all this money." Now, I don't understand how that turns into blackmail. Why Dad doesn't pay the gambling debts? But at the same time, there's another guy named um, Fuck. He's the Irish guy they refer to, and you never even see this guy. Yeah. But he's been missing. What was his name? Fuck. I'm not going to say it on IMDb because yeah, he, wasn't really <laughs> he wasn't in the movie. Yeah, I can't um, remember what his name was. Though. Let's see. Marlowe's there for a job. Blah blah blah. Sean Regan. Yeah. Sean Regan. Sean Regan's been missing, and he's usually the guy that helps clean up. Clean up shit, and somehow the general has gotten word that that Marlowe's a good good for this kind of stuff, and so he's not only sending him out to figure out what's going on with these with this blackmail business, but also to maybe look for Sean Regan, who's been missing for a while. And on his way out, this is when we meet. Well, I do forget. I almost forgot the line. How do you like your brandy, sir, in a glass? Mm. And uh, which is always a good one. But the. Um, and a call for my big head. Yeah. And wishly teeth. 
Bacall stops him on the way out, sort of. She sends the butler to do it. And, um, yeah, he's getting you know, cock teased like fucking as soon as he walked in that mansion. Oh, God. Yeah. The, uh, she comes down and, uh, Carmen is, she's like, you're cute. Like you're a little short, which, which has a nice payoff when she says, um, you don't look like a private investigator, blah, blah, blah. And he says, I'm short too. But, um, he's a, he, uh, but yeah, she's to, she. I think Carmen just comes on to anybody. Yeah, she's a hoe. She's a little yeah. hoe. And but and in the book, I mean, she was like making porno movies, wasn't she? Yeah, Geiger is using, and that they're implying that here too because she's having some kind. She has had some kind of photo taken of her at this one point with a hidden camera. Yeah, and she was all it, fucked up. Yeah, probably naked. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. Bacall, you know, confronts him essentially, and she wants to know what her dad wants. Like, because both of his daughters have lived there. Bacall is, um, she has a different last name in the movie. She doesn't go by Sternwood because she has been married. She, uh, Vivian, is living at home again. Carmen, I don't know if she is living at home again or just never moved out. And, um, and then the big Lebowski sits in his wheelchair. In the <laughs> in the hot uh, uh, greenhouse, and Bogey's just sweating up a storm. But yeah, that was yeah, funny. he was he was saturated. But Bacall wants to know, or Vivian wants to know, what you know. She's <laughs> she's kind of you kind of get the hint that she doesn't know exactly what her dad wants for the private investigator, and she's trying to question him, and she's very standoffish. And that's kind of where the tension starts, and they, they have such good chemistry there. But and and through the, really through the whole movie, and uh, you know, lead, you know, her line of questioning uh, leads him when he walks out. You know, he stops the butler. He's like, "Oh, you were wrong. Mrs. Rutledge didn't want to see me after all." <laughs> um, he liked it. He liked a little bit of the chase. See, the other chick was just like, "Here, t-, you know." Oh, she she even like literally <laughs> threw herself in his arms. Like she didn't she act like she passed out or something? Yeah, she did the whole like swoon thing. Yeah, and he catches swooned. her, and the and I like how the uh, the butler does not even react to that. He just walks out like eh, yeah, because it's it's like Philip Seymour Hoffman <laughs> in the Big Lebowski, where you know I'll suck your cock for fucking. Uh, <laughs> Twenty five dollars or something. And oh yeah, like, no. Bunny <laughs> said. Bunny said that. Yeah, Bunny said that. And and she's he so goes, funny. <laughs> he can he can watch for a hundred bucks, and he's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's such a scamp. <laughs> um. So first we and like again, this is another thing I missed. I don't remember. I, I had totally missed when um, this is one thing. Another thing I had to rewind for because I don't. I didn't even remember uh, the general mentioning Geiger. I remembered like the gambling debts, but then he's he goes to this bookstore. And I'm like, wait, the fuck, what? Who bookstore? What? And so I had to rewind again. I was like, okay, Geiger, the blackmailer, owns a bookstore apparently. <laughs> so he goes there, and I dig Bogey's uh, book collector persona. Oh my god. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah. Do you have a such and such third edition with a reprinted line on one eighteen? Hmm. Mm. With his like the front of his fedora turned up and his <laughs> shades on the end of his nose. Pants pulled up to his fucking nipples. That was all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Giant head and a and a four foot or, or a, a, a thirty six inch torso. I wonder if that's where Abdul the Butcher got that look. Where he just wears <laughs> yeah. his belt under his tits. 
<laughs> like Abdullah the Butcher likes his tits to touch the top of his pants. Oh, he's skinny now. Ooh, I know, but he's sick. Yeah. Um. So this is the the part that I remembered from Seamus. You know, he's trying to guy. They he he gets the suspicion that something's not right because the lady doesn't in at the front desk of the bookstore doesn't have. She doesn't seem to know what she's talking about with the book. She buzzes a guy into the back. Like, why would a bookstore have, like, a security door? And um, so he kind of goes across the street to another bookstore just to kind of watch. And uh, and this is from Seamus, too. He totally ends up banging this, <laughs> this cute, nerdy bookstore owner across the street um, just by hanging out with her and kind of talking her up. But yeah, you get and the, you know what? Honestly, okay, now, seriously. Um uh, <laughs> Burt Reynolds is a pretty good looking guy. You know, yeah, yeah. Classically yeah. good looking. He's got the got the rap and charisma and everything. Now, I I don't know. I'm not a woman, but I just don't think Humphrey Bogart's the kind of guy that walks into a place and the woman's immediately putting the for clothes sign up and 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 then they like because of the code thing they have to kind of walk around it. Yeah, they kind of do the the fade out, fade in. Let's just have a couple of, of drinks of uh, scotch in a cup. Pocket yeah. liquor, yeah. He pulled it out of his coat pocket. Yeah. I, <laughs> I thought she didn't have the bottle there. But um, so after, and I'm already kind of getting hazy on the story. <laughs> uh, we get we get a follow, and I don't want to give too much away because really, I mean, this is a heavily plot driven thing. But as other Marlowe and other private investigator stories, it's never quite as simple as they first led on. What was the other one we did with the uh the like the Cold War one? Uh the Spillane one? Oh with yeah, um shit. What the Kiss Me Deadly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um that was the same kind of thing where it's like it seems like a run of a mill story or a kind of a cut and dry case almost well not case, not Maybe not with this one as much, but um, where more things start to unfold as they go along. And what adds a nice wrinkle to this one is Bacall's involvement in it. Now, it's a little confusing to me, uh, admittedly, exactly how far she is work, like mixed up in the whole situation. But the fact that that her, his character is has some sort of feeling for her, you know, it... And she's at the same time she's protecting her sister, but maybe you know she seems to know a lot more than she ever lets on. Uh, she's got that mystery about her, so there's that too. You know, uh, he 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 follows Geiger. Um, we is it a spoiler to say kind of what happens with Geiger? It might be. Um, we just I guess we could suffice it to say that he ends up at Geiger's house a few times throughout. And always seems to run into different people when there. And if you're not really like focusing on this, it could be hard to lose track of who's who. Who's who? Fuck yes. That's yeah. why when you said he went to like he he went several times to Geiger's house. I'm like, who the fuck's Geiger? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and and there's not like okay, they would have done themselves. A service, or at least the viewers, if like one guy would have had a big bushy mustache, yeah, and another guy would have been like African American. I mean, just so that several of the guys, the bad guys, were 
there was they weren't they didn't really have a distinct look and i started getting to where i was like okay now which one's this one which one's that you know my last note is eddie mars confuses the shit out of me yeah (laughs) so yeah there's a we get introduced to a guy named eddie mars in it um there's the poor little squirrely guy who i was like who the fuck is he again (laughs) um the one that the one that trying to say say it without he had some information because he was in love with some chick that was involved in the whole thing he was kind of an informant and we're really we're introduced to him pretty late um i'll tell you what happened to him it'll help you remember i I won't say it here but i'll tell you what happened to him you'll remember who he is um the I don't know how much I can save with, with this without just totally like spoiling it. I mean, we could read quotes I don't know. I mean, or whatever. I'll be but... honest with you. I don't think I could spoil it because I can't fucking <laughs> remember half the shit that went on. And it was, it was so fucking confusing. Now, do you think that he intentionally made it this confusing? I think the book is this confusing. I don't know. Well, I, 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 I don't know that, that he said that there was one scene that they cut out. Where Marlowe is talking to his police friend, mm-hmm. and they talk about the case, and they said that really helps spell it everything. It basically spells everything out, but they cut it out. So I don't know. I, just... I don't know that that Howard Hawks was known for making. I think he might have been kind of a like you know he's he's recognized as one as a, as a great director, but I don't think he was known for doing anything kind of. Like other than other than following what he's what he's given, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Like he's kind of a straightforward kind of director, and I think he was just kind of, well, you know, we talked about it briefly. He even called up Chandler at one point because he was confused about who had killed who or whatever. And Chandler said, "You're out of your element." <laughs> so it's like you know, I mean, I think I don't I don't think we can blame this on the on the movie or the know. director. I think we blame it on the source material being being confusing i don't know and like i said i've seen this twice i got a lot more from it the second time i watched it but i'm still you know i still had to go and read some stuff okay uh, okay okay i I mean you know you read it you're like okay somebody got that from it i still don't think i would get it if i watched it again i read this you know basically the plot uh before we started doing the show and as Mm -hmm. i was reading the plot i was still like this I honestly still can't fucking <laughs> even just reading it. I was like, okay, what the Jesus Christ? This is so confusing. Oh, I forgot Hawks did Sergeant York. That's a good one. So isn't that kind of poor movie making? <sighs> I mean, I know this is a huge classic movie, but I, I, I'm serious. I don't know how I am going to rate it because I wonder, I mean, if it's this confusing that you can't even follow the f- you you can't even follow the fucking plot. What the hell is yeah. that? Oh, so I must have clicked on something. Somebody was talking, but I mean, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, well, well. What else? Do you have anything else to add to it? I, I, I mean, don't know if I can add anything else. Um, <laughs> what did you think of the performances in it? I know that they said that um, they held off putting this movie out. Because it was it was made uh, while World War II was still going on, so they but it, uh, um, when they were getting ready to release it, World War II was like pretty much 
over or wrapping up or it was over. So mm-hmm. they had all these uh, army and war movies uh, already made in the can. Piled up, ready to go. And they said, we better fucking put this shit out as fast as we can because it's losing its shelf life. So this one sat on the shelf for a while. Now, by the time it was ready to be released, the whole bogey and Bacall, like Benifer shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I hate that I even compared <laughs> J-Lo and Ben Affleck to these two. But um, the whole phenomenon. What of about the, Brangelina? Brangelina, yeah. Well, at least Brangelina are still together. Um, <laughs> um they were they wanted to get this one out because of the whole bogey and Bacall thing, but the way it was shot, um, the chick that played what's her name, the the young son, Carmen, yeah, thumbsucker Carmen. Her part was even bigger, but they wanted to really play this up as a bogey and Bacall movie, so they cut her part way down and added more of Bacall. Because and I'll, I'll be honest with you, when I was watching this, I didn't think that Bacall's part was as um, because you always hear Humphrey Bogart, Bogey and Bacall, and then even on the box cover art it says Bogart and Bacall is huge, yeah. even compared to the title of the movie. It's like Bogart, Bacall, the big sleep, yeah, big sleep. And um, but I didn't <laughs> think that her part was as meaty. Or as good as, you know, when you're thinking that, you know, it's it's these two, you know, Bogart and Bacall. Um, I love the I, I love the, the interaction between the two of them. Yeah, I love yeah. Thumbsucker, too. Thumbsucker I love the interaction was, between uh, the two of them, but I don't know that her character was as think. fleshed out as it maybe should have been. Because, like I said, I was confused about her intentions a lot of the time. Yeah. Other than wanting to fuck Bogey, well, I, I just I, I I like the performances of everybody in this. I don't think yeah. there was anybody that and I and I like noir. Um, I Philip Marlowe, I've liked ever. I mean, even when they the first, I think it was one of the first, if not the first, um, HBO series was uh, Philip Marlowe Private Eye, and Powers Booth played Philip Marlowe, and it was really good. Because it was the first series that, um, you know, you were used to watching TV series on the networks, and this was the first series that showed tit, that had swearing in it, and you were like, oh my god, you know, what the <laughs> fuck, they're breaking all the fucking rules. Um, but I like that character and everything, but this movie was confounding to me just because it was fucking confusing. Was this the first time you'd seen it? Yes, I'm curious what you'd think if you watched it again. I'd say I probably liked it better this time mm-hmm. than I did the first than I did the first time I watched it because I knew that I needed to really kind of focus on because somebody will kind of say what they're doing and then it's happening. You're like, wait, 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 wait what the fuck just happened? You know, they're somewhere all of a sudden and why? Um, and I like that. Uh, I guess William Faulkner uh, he he did like the the screenplay or whatever for this. Yeah. Cause this is like Raymond Chandler, right? Yes. Okay. And William Faulkner did the screenplay <laughs> and that remind. did you see Barton Fink? 
Yes. The the uh, the writer that Barton Fink goes to for inspiration is the Southern writer, and he's always drunk. He's like, and he's always drunk, and I am just wailing around. Right? This this just seeing that William Faulkner, who's this great writer, fucking uh, went to Hollywood and and uh, and was just like pick you know making money writing you know screenplays for this kind of stuff. It's I wonder if that's who this was based on. You know, <laughs> did we? I feel like we've done another. We did another uh, movie that that Faulkner did the uh, screenplay on. Hmm. I'm not sure. To have and to have not. No, that's that's another Bogart. What else did he do? I, f- I swear. I saw Long Hot Summer, but we didn't do that one. I don't know. I feel like we maybe not. Um, it's hard to tell. We've just done so so many shows. Very prolific on the show. They all we are. just run together. Oh, right, that too. Um, let's just rate it. <laughs> I'm I'm tired of stumbling like across it like I said. Yeah. It, um, I I've got a soft spot for Bogart. I've got a soft spot for Noir. It's well shot. It's very well acted. I love the dialogue in it, but the plot really hurts it. This could this with a with a more cohesive or easy for me to follow this movie makes me feel dumb and i don't like leaving a movie feeling dumb for the wrong reasons i don't feel dumb i think that it was poorly made okay i just think it was i mean you know jesus christ yeah it's like with all of that stuff weighted like this could this movie could be over a nine for me it's still like a 7.25 yeah it's it's solid for me still just because of all the things that i said i do enjoy about it i just i don't know well you maybe, know also maybe i'll watch it a third time on the disc <laughs> that i have mm-hmm. um there are two sides to the disc and the one is the original cut uh which is i think what they what they were when they f- originally made it and then shelved it because they wanted to put out all the all their war movies while they're still were right. hot after the war they had the, I think they have the original cut, and then they have this cut, which is where they kind of cut down Thumbsucker's part uh, and uh, uh, added, took out scenes and added more Bacall because of the Bogey and Bacall phenomenon. So, did, <laughs> did like Marlowe in the book was he involved with Vivian? I don't even know. Okay, I'm not even sure he was involved with her in this fucking movie. Which one's Vivian? <laughs> Lauren Bacall. Yeah. Well, they make out in the car, yeah. so. But I would like to. I'd like to watch. I might even do that tonight. Watch the other version because I did read that it was uh, easier to understand because we're not the only ones that said this was confusing. When you read yeah. the, uh, the critiques and stuff on like Wikipedia or whatever, uh, there were a lot of people that, that talked about, you know, that it was kind of hard to follow. So we're not, we're not stupid. Maybe it's just an unfilmable book. I've never read the yeah. book. So, um, I would probably give it a seven. Okay. Um, I, I, I think that everything this should be, this should be uh, like a nine or a ten, yeah. Uh, but it was just even after I watched it, I was like, wow. And then a week later, trying <laughs> to think of you know, okay, yeah, it's even it, hard to to say what's going on to explain it. You know, when we're reviewing it, it, it has been one day for me. Yeah. And I've already, like, my Eddie Mars confuses the shit out of me, holds truer now, because I still can't remember how he exactly was tied into the whole thing. 
Uh, so frustrating to watch this, I think. So hmm. there's other bogey noirs out there. Cool. Um, well, I, I wasn't sure how you'd fall on that one. I, uh, when I was coming in, I was like, man, I, what if he if he loves this and I'm going to be like, I had, never seen, I had bought it and it was still like in the plastic wrap. I don't know where I fucking bought it, uh, but uh, it was just sitting on the shelf. And I thought, well, fuck, this is a, you know, uh, um, I I know. I mean, I'd heard the you know about the big Lebowski and I've heard of this movie, but mm-hmm. I thought I had seen it. And then when I started watching, I was like, I've never seen this shit. Or maybe you have. Yeah, maybe I did. <laughs> All right, let's take a break and come back and do um, our first Almodovar film on the show, uh, All About My Mother. We'll be right back. Hi, this is famous Hollywood producer, Robert Evans. You know, I've made a lot of powerful enemies during my time in Hollywood. Like the time I pushed Steve McQueen in front of a moving car on the set of The Getaway because he was macking on my lady, Kylie McGraw. But I've made one great friend, a boffo friend, if you will, since I retired. It's called Show Show, and it's the best fucking movie podcast ever. It's even better than cocaine, which I would know a lot about. Visit Show Show at showshow.podomatic.com or search Show Show, all one word, in the iTunes store. possibly 2000, depending on where you probably saw it on Earth. Directed by Pedro Almodovar. Um, I I lucked out on these synopsis here. Maybe I should try it in Spanish to add some challenge. Um, Young Esteban wants to become a writer and also to discover the identity of his father, carefully concealed by his mother, Manuela. That is a very kind... Synopsis for someone trying, yeah, because it kind of talks about the first five minutes of the movie. <laughs> um, so, Sam, had you seen this one before? Yeah, I've watched this uh, like about three years ago. Okay, and uh, no, I've never seen this. Okay, uh, what did you think about? This I, this, is, I, this is an Almodovar I have not seen. I had not seen either. That's why I chose it. Okay, I saw the only other one I think I've seen is the Bandadas. Uh, was it the skin I'm in? The skin I live, yeah, the one where he's a, the, the plastic surgeon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that one and I like. Oh, you it. need to see more if you. Yeah, if, yeah. If okay, if you like transsexuals, yeah, and talks of talks of sucking cock, big cocks. Yes, then you'll like, like his movies. Yeah, I mean, it's like you know, uh, why you know, I don't know. I guess I'm a size queen. His he's got he's got um, Almodovar has a has a, 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 a quite the knack at. 
giving us these Telemundo, mm-hmm. Televide or whatever soap opera type stories, and making like some sleazy shit, but making it so classy at yeah. the same time. Well, it's, he 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 balances that so well. The, like I said, the only the only thing that I had to go from was with was the um, uh, the skin I live in, mm-hmm. and so uh, when I started watching this, now unlike The Big Sleep, this one takes twists and turns and goes where I ne- from the very beginning I thought okay I can see where this is going. Yeah. Then it goes somewhere else, <laughs> and then I think, okay, now I know it. And then it and then it cuts in, in another direction, you know. Um, but the entire time, I am never uh, lost. Yeah. And um, I like that. Now, because uh, Almodovar, because of the other movie, I was wondering right off the bat, okay, is this going to have anything <laughs> to do with? you know, transgender or anything like that, because I had heard a few things, but I wasn't sure. Now, the thing that I like about his movies or about this movie and the other ones, but especially this movie is I think they're, in my opinion, I think they're important. This is an important movie. And I, I would like, or I, I would hope that other people would get to see this and watch it because even though you have people talking about, um, well, you have uh, transgender characters, mm-hmm. you have some, um, you know, people joking around or even just talking about, well, not just joking around, but talking about um, homosexual um, lifestyle, uh, transgender lifestyle and stuff like that. It's it's done very frankly. It's done frankly, but it's you done... laugh, but it's not. You're not laughing at them. You're. It's like a. It's it's all done respectfully, right. but still with that like that sleazy sprinkle on top. But also treated in a um, in a way where you're even with the most outrageous character, which was. Uh, uh, agrado, agrado, um, which means something like willing or like wanting to please, wanting to please, like yeah, yeah. Um, which he, uh, she says like you know a lot in the movie, but even her character who is very um, outrageous at times, he knows how to throw in the human factor, yeah. the emotional factor. And that this is a is a person. This is a human being that yeah. has feelings, emotions, ups and downs, uh, pain, and and I think that uh, just to there's some of the defense mechanisms that she uses that are humorous. You see that mm-hmm. uh, because when you. Th- think about this person's lifestyle of prostitution and it, when you're first introduced to this character being you know brutally assaulted during a uh a trick i guess yeah. uh cuz she uh, she's a male or she's a prostitute uh and it just really uh, it has to be a horrible 
life uh, to live, not because she is transgender, but because of the the rest of the world around her. I mean, this is a person that I'm I'm positive. If they had their choice, would not say, "Okay, if I have a choice of any job in the world, I want to be a prostitute and right. ver, ver, and live in poverty and, and not make hardly any money and have people disdain me." No, uh, that's place that she's thrust in because the world is so fucked up and yeah. so intolerant and so shitty. Now, um, at the very beginning of this movie with um, uh, not Uma, um, uh, Manuela. Manuela. Yeah, Manuela. She, with her and her son, right at the very beginning when they were showing them and how they were interacting and everything. Cause I knew nothing about this movie. I didn't know what it was about. I yeah. just knew that, um, he makes some controversial or not. I wouldn't even say controversial movies. I'd say movies with, um, subject matter that is out of the norm. So some people may considered think considered unsavory by the puritanical types. Exactly. <laughs> but so when I started watching it, I thought the way that the mother and son were acting at the very beginning, I was like, is this going to, is this movie going to have like some incest themes? Because I think they're just being European. <laughs> yeah. Because, well, I mean, it was just kind of the way he was looking at her and some of the things and just the, the, yeah. the interaction. Um, I wonder if he was gay. Who Almodovar? The son. Oh, the Esteban. son. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, you know, they don't really touch on that. At all. It's not. That's uh, not. That's yeah. not. That's not a central to any story at all that happens in this movie. I just, I just thought of that. Just with the relationship he has with his mother right. and the way he admires her, and well, I, I know, do think that. I mean, he had no other. Um, he had no other person around i mean he's raised by her she's a single mother and at the very beginning you don't know what's happened to his father other than the little story that she spins to him which is kind of a sugar-coated version uh, or a uh a romance novel kind of a version of what his who and what his father was because as a younger especially when he was younger he's she's going to tell the story because he wouldn't be capable of understanding or dealing with the truth but you know what you know what kind of tied to this and this is kind of jumping to the kind of the what i would say at the end just just due to the fact that it's an overarching theme of it but the 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 role of just masculinity or men in the movie is really interesting because like there's hardly any men present at all but masculinity in general is kind of the driving force of the whole thing Mm -hmm. because well i mean you have agrado who still has a cock yeah and you have uh manuela doing what she's doing partly for herself but partly for her son yeah so he's not even shown much but you know he's the reason She's doing what she's doing. Then you have Dad Esteban Senior, mm-hmm. who is well. We learned this pretty early. Who is transgender himself, and so that the biggest the biggest force in the movie is a woman that but used to be a man. So right. I thought it was kind of neat seeing how 
Oh, and then Penelope Cruz's dad is another kind of yeah. kind of little side thing. How men are just absent in the movie, but all of them have something to do. Oh, and well, in her relationship with Esteban Senior, mm-hmm. but like how men drive this movie despite there not being any major male characters. I thought it was kind of yeah. interesting. Well, um, the one thing that I liked about this movie is looking back on it, you could easily take the entire transgender storyline out of this movie and just have a woman who meets a man. He, they have a, a passionate affair or whatever then he disappears, leaves from her life for whatever reason. The son grows up, doesn't know what's going on, and then with what happens, her yeah. going and looking for, and then going through this. You really don't need it, – it's – even though the these people – there are people in this movie that are transgender, um, it could – the whole movie could not even have that, but the reason that I like – how it plays out is that the that they are in this movie uh and it's kind of almost like a secondary thing uh to to someone who is not you know has limited experience and is you know growing and and learning and uh trying to be accepting and everything mm-hmm. um i you put yourself in the position uh, – uh, well, what what I was going to say was I like that they are in the film as just people playing parts. They, uh, they don't – of course, don't hide the fact that they are who they are and, and what they are, but when I – It's just part of their character. It's right. not like – It doesn't – It's not like uh, – uh, uh, Kurt uh, Kurt Russell dressing up in drag and exactly. in uh, in um... exactly and, and and when when I look back at this movie I watched it last night and I think about it especially like the scenes toward the end with um, is it Esteban Esteban Senior yeah Senior. I forgot the name what ni, ni, uh, Nona or Nina the entire time Lola sorry when she is talking about no, no it's it okay Nina wait okay hang on Nina was. The Nina was the under was the the young actress. Right. He Esteban was was Lola, but that was his name. Okay. But I mean, they, he was Esteban, and then he became Lola. Right, right. It became Lola. Right. right. That's where it's confusing. Yeah, that can even confuse me until just now. I, I I thinking about it. But when she is talking to him and revealing about his son. Mm-hmm. The entire time I'm watching that and watching this actor and how his reaction and everything, I'm not thinking at one at one time at all, you know, about his sexuality. I'm not thinking about uh anything. His lifestyle, his sexuality or anything. I'm seeing a father and the regret and the pain and love and everything and, and that is really cool, and that's why I like how Emotivar makes this movie. Because to some people, I, I guarantee—I mean, I know people in my life that if I showed them this movie and I watched it, they'd be like, "Oh my god, look at that!" <laughs> uh, but they're not—they—they're not, they, they're not um, open enough or 
or I, I don't know how to put it. They, they just close up because they're uncomfortable or it's something that they're not familiar with. And I think a movie like this is something that is like a bridge because, like you said, with the Wesley Snipes and Patrick Swayze and drag or, or whatever, movies like that, or movies that, that might have a, a, a transgender, like a cop movie that might have a transgender prostitute in mm-hmm. it, and it's a stereotypical part. And uh, Agrado, in some aspects, is that character, is that stereotypical transgender prostitute, blah, 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 blah. But again, I think that's almost like... Um, Agrado is the one making the jokes, right? And, uh, but and I think... the joke is never that Agrado is transsexual, except there's some stuff like like that one actor asking for a blowjob. That's right. funny, but it's not, you know. And there's some talk about like everybody wants to see my cock, and that's funny, but it's Agrado saying it. It's not. We're not laughing at the fact that right. Agrado is transsexual. Even, even the part where the the actor comes in and ask him for a, a or ask her for a blowjob and everything. Um, it's funny in a way, but also it it just reminds me it's it's almost like some, like a typical thing where you know the guy is like would normally be like oh you know but then behind the scenes is like hey you know well if I can get some <laughs> head you know I don't give a shit so that's that's that says something there now I do think that it's it's strange because okay this takes place uh, a great majority of it in Barcelona yeah um, now I'm thinking of. Um, other South American countries, but it's strange because um, I know in some South American countries there's there are a large number of transsexual transgender other, a population, but but it's in such a macho driven male culture, yeah, uh, uh, of the Hispanic culture, which is you know about. Uh, uh, being macho and you know i mean there are some countries down there where if you if you lit your wife on fire or if you beat her or stabbed her or killed her they wouldn't even give a shit because oh, there's a joke there's a there's a, a good line in this about being macho what was it the uh how could you be macho oh how could someone act so macho with a pair of tits like that <laughs> yeah um <laughs> but uh, uh there are so many parts in this movie uh well at least I'm thinking probably three or four separate parts in this movie where I literally, my eyes were just full of tears <laughs> and, and it really choked me up. Um, uh, and maybe it's, it's uh, almost like you said, almost like a, a melodrama. Yeah. That, that's uh, what he does so well though. Like I like, I like Bollywood films right. to give an example. I'm okay with melodrama, mm-hmm. but this is a this is melodrama on a different level because he does it so well of balancing these the this the the kind of trash of a of a Spanish soap opera with heavy he, some heavy stuff, you know, uh, bastard children and and yeah. AIDS patients and yeah. transgenders, and, you know, it's it's. Well, that's you know, it's, another it's, another uh, thing in this movie that that uh, is something that it's just a matter of fact in your face. Um, they show um, about people being, you know, the, the HIV AIDS mm-hmm. and how it affects people, even 
with Esteban Senior, um, I I feel for him because um, uh, what's um, um, Manuela? Manuela. She um, she even from the beginning when she's talking to, I think the Penelope Cruz character, she goes, Oh my God, how could you do this? You know? Um, but, and I'm bad about this. I don't know if I'd say I'm bad about it or if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but you know, with, with empathy, you know, putting yourself in another person's shoes and even putting yourself in his shoes where you, uh, I'm sure he didn't seek out from, you know, to, to hurt her like anybody. Now I, I know there are people cause I know people I'm, I, I don't even want to say I'm friends with people because some people that are so sociopathic that they just don't give a shit. And, and you wonder, you know, my God, do you, do you even care? But I think with his character uh, where he was with her and then, there's a, a transformation. I mean, you know, it's, she is looking at it from her perspective and how could you do this? And how could you do that? When you look at it from his perspective or her perspective, um, what a, what a, a just a confusing and I don't want to say horrible life cause he's just being who he is, but then put on top of that, uh, a, you know, a disease, you know, mm-hmm. and, and having that on your conscience later on with things that you've done in your life, which you and I may have done the exact same thing where you meet a girl and say you have sex or, or you do this or you do that and you're young and you're, you know, your hormones are flowing. You're not thinking. I mean, if you even look at it from a pregnancy level, I mean, how many times is like, okay, you know, okay, I don't have a condom or something like that or whatever. Yeah, it will be okay. Yeah, it'll be okay. But how many times, you know, I could have come close to either getting a girl pregnant or getting a venereal disease or even, you know, something as deadly as HIV AIDS or whatever. Um, So, but there, and I'm not, when we were talking about like it being almost like a Telemundo soap opera ish like Mm -hmm. story, um, it's more than that. Uh, and, but like I said, I mean, it, there were, there were several times in this movie where, and, and I think that says a lot about the acting too, Yeah, that well, just it, it kind really of, broke me up. I was like, oh my God, you know, some elements of the plot mirror, um, mirror the movie all about Eve, mm-hmm. which has a young actress, uh, coming in and, you know, kind of taking the limelight away from an established actress that not, not exactly happening here, but a similar kind of setup at times. Didn't they show that on the TV? Like she was watching TV. Yeah. They were watching it at the beginning and, and there's always this thing about, um, streetcar named desire too. Like that's the, that's the production they're always going to watch. And there's some lines that they pull that, that kind of, tie in that kind of parallel what's going on in the story too Um, because that was the last that was the play that Esteban was he loved the most and you had the I mean we haven't even talked about the the character of um, Roja Roja? Uh, Huma Rojo 
played by Marisa Paredes, who uh, she's been in quite a few. Oh, she was excellent. Films. Um, she almost had like this Betty Davis, you know, mm-hmm. persona, yeah. you know, but she even said that, didn't she? She said that's why she yeah, started she smoking. said that because that's why that's why she gave herself the name Humarosa because of the way Betty Davis smoked all the time and that she took up smoking because she saw Betty Davis when she was that young. And, um, but, you know, we didn't even talk on her because she's an interesting character, too, because, you, th- you know, for whatever reason, and I, I realized that the whole. Uh, stereotype would be for someone in theater to be okay with 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 gay people, but I assumed that I assumed that she would have a problem with you know a transgender person. I don't know why. Well, I think uh, at the, at the very well, her initial reaction. Yeah. When when Wella, maybe that's what it was. Um, says, "Hey, I've got somebody to take my place," and 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 then and she's like all for it, and then when Agrado comes in. Her initial reaction is, oh, yeah. So, but I mean, it's even, but but that even goes to, um, I think maybe a question of her number one, her age, number two, Egrado, uh, also was a prostitute and a lot of times looked like and dressed like a prostitute. Right. Uh, but not only that, but it, they they had a a. a a comedy sketch on Saturday Night Live, which was um, uh, Garrett Morris, who is a very dark-skinned African American, was interviewing, and I can't remember who the it was. It was it wasn't um, it wasn't like Cornell West, but it was somebody who was a, a, a social a, a socially conscious uh, uh, African American at that time, and I can't remember who it was. Uh, that sucks that I can't remember, <laughs> but. Um, they, he was, he was doing a talk show and Garrett Morris is like, so, um, what do you think about? And he said, well, I think that, the, the this whole, uh, issue goes back to the, um, the, um, the, 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 uh, fact that, uh, light skinned blacks are smarter than dark skinned blacks. Cause he was light skinned and Garrett Morris is dark skinned and Garrett Morris just pauses for a second. And he goes, uh, say what? <laughs> but so I, you know, I, I wonder if, um, even though in the th- theatrical community, you know, there probably are just because you're exposed to more people uh, who are of uh, uh, different sexualities or homosexuality, yeah. lesbians, whatever. Um, I wonder if there isn't maybe a a a certain section of people that still might look down on like, you know, I might be gay or I might be a lesbian, but you're this and, and, and maybe even look down. Now she did get over that pretty quick because Manuela, uh, and Agrado and, um, uh, Penelope Cruz's character. Hermana. 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 Uh, they, they, you know, they started drinking and she got to know her and then everything. And eating ice cream, champagne and ice cream. Yeah. That's a weird combo. Yeah, there. it's like a float. <laughs> <Without Ugh. food. laughs> but, um, but, you know, yeah, I, I don't know, you know, it's, it's, it's always strange to me. And I've said this, I've used this expression for uh, lots of other things, probably talking on the show or politics or whatever. The Chris Christopherson song uh, where he says everybody's got to have somebody to look down on yeah. because it makes you feel better about yourself. So, and, and it's just, uh, it's like any other prejudice. It's because of not knowing or experiencing something that seems odd to you or something that you're not 
just used to being around, right. you know, but, um, I love this. This movie was excellent. And yeah. not only just from the acting, acting all the way around was great. Uh, the, 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 the guy who played the son at the beginning was excellent. Um, the, uh, Cecilia Roth was, I thought was fantastic. Um, and I, really I, I guess that. maybe I'm in a big puss mode where I just, you know, <laughs> maybe I'm very emotional or something. I don't know, but it, it did, it did touch me. And I like when, when someone can do that. Uh, but not just on that level at the beginning, when they are um, out in the rainy street and just some of the, the camera work and the shots were just it, excellent. I mean, it was like you said, you could take a, a uh, uh, Telemundo soap opera ish uh, uh, mo- or uh, a story, but even the way it's shot, it's just done so well. Oh yeah, I mean, it even starts off like uh, you know, uh, Almodovar loves like these saturated colors. You'll see that a lot. Yeah. Even at the beginning with this hospital setting, you have this slow pan across these very, I mean, pretty boring looking instruments. But like you already see, it's like who would ever think of a hospital room is colorful, but you know, he gets it there. There's a cool like thing there with the the son writing in his journal with a pencil. Like it, the the shot was through glass, obviously, but you know, you see from the paper's point of view the pencil writing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, little stuff like that. And what I what I really like about Almodovar and his movies, and you see it a lot in this one, is he's so good at like juggling multiple multiple balls at once mm-hmm. because this isn't you know the 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 synopsis is you know Esteban wants to know who his dad is mom goes to find dad that's that's a, like a, a quarter of this right. story you have a grotto and her growth you've got the whole thing in the in the with um with uh Humaroja and her and her like drug addict maybe lover but at least you know, kind she's of she's definitely infatuated with yeah. Her or there's that whole thing, and then you have Manuela's growth, not only in looking for Esteban Senior, but dealing with tragedy in her life, being a parent figure to Penelope Cruz, but also the whole her being like the personal assistant, yeah. <laughs> and it's just you know there's so many things that happen simultaneously in this. And, what and it takes Almo- place over uh, over a, a a good length of time. Yeah, you know. But it's like there's no like what what what's so impressive about me is the way he's always able to juggle all these stories at once, and he does this a lot. Um, you'll if you ever watch his if you get into his other movie. I mean, you saw it with um, you saw it with Skin I Live In, mm. the same kind of thing, where it's like there's a lot of shit going on at once. But he does a really good job at keeping us up to date on everything and invested in what's happening with these people. Even if they're, you know, this lifestyle and the, like anything that anybody in this movie is doing is completely foreign to me. I don't do anything, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not in the theater. I, you know, I don't 
I don't go in the, which is an amazing shot. I don't drive around in a herd of cars around a circle of prostitutes in a dusty field. Yeah, that was that, when that first <laughs> happened. I was like, "What the fuck?" Really cool looking though. Yeah, um, we don't have any of those places around here anymore. I mean, uh, <laughs> it's the it's the uh, it's the Waffle House parking lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and by waffle, I mean blowjob. Giggity goo. Um, Giggity goo. Yeah, that was kind of odd, and 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 you know. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it's uh, in that life. <laughs> I love the I line mean, how, when Agrada says, I used to be a truck driver in Paris before I got my tits and became a whore. Yeah, but I mean, you know, okay, say you, you're you a transgender. Now, you look at some of, the, some of the things that are going on up here where they're like, I don't want some man in my restroom or i don't want some freak yeah. in my in, like if a, uh, a transgender person goes in a men's room i don't want some freak in my, even like something like that uh down there i mean uh, say okay you say okay this is who i am i have decided you know uh i am i was born this way and i've tried to be something else but i i want to be who i am so you go and say you even have you know surgery or or uh, uh, to do whatever it is to appear to be more physically like you feel inside, then automatically you can't get a job. You can't do this. Mm-hmm. You can't, you're shunned. Uh, every time you walk down the street, people are looking at you uh, like, you know, you're some kind of a freak show or want to put physical violence on you. And I, I could see like, uh, okay, first, you know, having to turn to, to prostitution just to live just to feed yourself to give yourself shelter and everything but then to even do that you know uh getting on um uh some kind of substance to, so that you can live that life without totally cracking up or or whatever and then when you see them go out to that area where where all these prostitutes are and they're they're doing all this this stuff it's almost like a a circus of debauchery or whatever yeah. but you, you it, was like to, a, it was like a fucking fellini movie yeah but i mean <laughs> but thinking about it you almost have to think okay again uh when these people that are doing this were children they didn't look at this as okay this is this is what i aspire to be this is what i i want to be in my life i want to be out here doing this you know being completely lewd completely you know naked uh with total strangers punched in the face by some asshole and 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 like i said probably on you know drugs and everything else but society has totally uh made it unlivable so this is the only place that i can go and the only thing that i can do was and it's was, a sad thing i mean I, when i first saw it i was like oh my and even us talking about it right now you know i'm like oh my god that was like oh my god look at here's these two with you know uh, you know naked and they're doing this and somebody's giving a blow job over here and doing this and doing that but when you really look at it you think it's really sad because we're looking at them like, oh, look at those, you know, even if they weren't transgender, look at their prostitutes and you're thinking, but when you break it down, you're thinking, I mean, you know, this person, this is a horror story. It has to be. Was, nobody um, that's going to do this willingly and be like, oh, this is the, this is what I w- want to do. This is so great. Was, was Rosa or Penelope Cruz, was she, I was a little confused by this. Was she a nun? Yeah. Or was she a prostitute? And just now is trying to clean up no, and working I think in a she, convent. None, because I thought they kept calling her sister. 
and that's maybe she likes. I, I feel like she might have been a prostitute or something at one because she. I don't I mean, think she was a prostitute because I because because of her you know, she had a, a pretty straight, rich, well known you know yeah. well the normal family. I think she I think she was a nun, and I think that's why it was so scandalous. Right, right, right. You know. And uh, you'll see Al- Almodovar has a thing about Catholicism and nuns too. By the way, <laughs> that they, that that comes up a lot. Um, well, I don't have a whole lot to add. The uh, you know we talked about the 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 influence of of males in it. I can't find the the quote written out at the end. Let me see if it's written here on IMDb. No, like basically, there's a quote from Al Almodovar that uh, says like the movie's dedicated to women who act or whatever yeah. like that, which women is kind of act and. Uh, was it women who act and men or women who act or men who act like women and the 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 whole thing is it's not just it's not just women who act but it also touches on a transgender thing with you know women or let's see all about my mother men who act as women to all actresses who have played actresses um come on actress God damn it, I just lost it. <laughs> God damn it. I saw the beginning of it. Okay, to all actresses who have played actresses, to all women who act, to men who act and become women, right. to all the people who want to be mothers, to my mother. <laughs> hmm. um, but, you know, this the whole, like, the thing about women acting, which is interesting, it's like this, this, this whole thing, too, because... Manuela is an actress in a way. She's a nurse, but she acts in order to make instructional videos on how to tell doctor, how to teach doctors how to give horrific news about, you know. Yeah. Uh, but she has a history of acting. And then you have this whole circle, this other life that she came from in, on the other side of the country where all of her friends are acting in some way maybe being a different gender or having to put on a, a happy face by despite the fact that they got to, you know, suck strangers' cocks for a living. <laughs> you have uh, uh, Penelope Cruz's character having to act one way because she comes from this one family where her mother's obviously a little more conservative and uptight, but she has a pretty, well, a couple pretty... Uh, pretty scary secrets yeah i think she may have had tourette syndrome because when she was talking to umana and she just starts telling her yeah she said this and she says like i was like jesus christ shut the fuck up you're not supposed to tell every goddamn thing and none of it was like hurtful right it was truthful but it was still like goddamn (laughs) anyway let's get into rating it i think i i think i may have said some things to umana what'd you tell her everything everything Um, I give this uh, probably a nine. Nice. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I give it an eight point seven five. Um, not my favorite Almodovar movie, um, but I liked it quite a bit. I, I'm, I'm glad I finally saw it. I I had skipped over this one, so I've seen some earlier stuff, and I've seen most of his stuff after two thousand, which this is right at the right at right at ninety nine two thousand. So. Um, I still have a few more to get through, so maybe we'll do another one on the show someday. Sure thing. But I give it 8.75. I, I, I liked it quite a bit, too. 
All right. Uh, why don't we take a break? Come back and do one feed sack, and we got some questions from the miners. Yeah. We'll be right back. Mm. Movies need only three things: badasses. You tell me who you want done, and I'll do the hell out of it. A chick with drive who don't take no jive. Boobs. Do you know? That the female breast, known to be the source of life since Eve, can be deadly weapons. And body counts. Body count. The mathematics of murder and menace. The BBNBC podcast discusses lesser-known action, exploitation, and horror cult cinema. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher Smart Radio, and SoundCloud by searching for BBNBC Podcast. You can also listen to each episode directly on the show's website at badassesboobsandbodycounts.com. Got the goddamn message? Let's go to work. Sacker, that guy. Um, all right. Hi, Zom and Loaf. Oh, the subject line is Feed Sacks with three X's. My ear holes ejaculated after getting the loaf back. You know, it's funny. I was just having a conversation today about how much I love Q tips. So, <laughs> might be time for a Q tip there, buddy. Um, ear jacking. Great to get the tag team champions. Have you ever had a Q-tip in your dick hole? It's no fun. No. That's how they do STD tests. Uh Certain ones. Um, Great to get the tag team champions of podcasting back in the ear ring. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What? Um, First, I think the changes you took won't harm the show that much. <laughs> yeah. It's certainly more interesting listening to discussions about a movie both of you have seen. Well, we hadn't always seen the ones we did before. But I'm also pleased with both of you talking about your movies your uh, your other half has not seen. As long as you are in... Okay. As long as you guys enjoy your talk and it makes it easier for you to get together, go on with it. I don't know if you're even... If you're into lists, but maybe you could spice up the show with a top five list about... Uh, uh, I don't know what that word is. Something movie-related or even movie-unrelated. Uh, outside the Cinema did it. I enjoyed it a lot. Maybe listeners could come up with some ideas for lists and throw them your own. I'm really bad with lists. List. Um, thanks, Zom, for your man talk last week. Always great to hear praise for the man. Uh, you just forgot mentioning Miami Vice, 
and maybe Loaf could also share some thoughts. Oh, I hated I, Miami Vice. Yeah, I've never even bothered watching it. Yeah. Um, also, cheers for the recommendations regarding all those Asian cinema podcasts. We'll check them out. Uh, going back to my list idea, as you, Zom, did not tell me about your favorite movies of all time, uh, which I asked for in my last email, and maybe you and Love could do it this week. So if you can tell, what are your top five favorite movies of all time? Not the best, but your personal favorites. For uh-huh. me, it is. Uh, we probably should have read this early, right? <laughs> Number five, <laughs> Kamome Diner. What? What are you laughing at? Nothing. Have you already read this email, too? No. Okay. I'm uh, caught with my britches down, so keep talking and I'll make okay, a list. Okay, I'll read slow. <laughs> Number five, Kam- Kamome Diner, maybe? Japanese, Finnish, feel-good, culture-clash, food, movie. Number four, Thief. I believe Thief is directed by Michael Mann and also <laughs> stars. Okay. Number three, The Three Colors Red, as I could get you watching... Trintinya in the Great Silence, I certainly recommend this one even more. Uh, number two, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I think that might be one you coaxed a 10 out of me on. And, no, maybe the first one was uh, was Groundhog Day. Number one, Heat. Also directed by, okay. Um, best wishes from Krefeld Germany, Rolf Ut. P.S. Fart and burp noises. Thank you, Rolf. Rolf. Okay. Any chance to look at your top five? Because I tell you, I'm really shitty at lists, so it's almost impossible for me to come okay, up with these. Okay, this is just this just came off the top of my head. Okay. Um, so, uh, number well, I you know I don't even know if these are in order, but the first one is The Hustler uh, okay. with Paul Newman, Jackie Gleason. Uh, second one is. Um, uh, one that has a lot of sentimental value, which you is you should which, start with number five, dude. Fuck a duck! I don't even know if these are in order. <laughs> I don't know what order they're in. I just wrote stuff down. Okay, uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid with Paul Newman and Robert Redford. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a childhood favorite. My sister and and I and our friends used to play Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I love the movie. I just think it's fucking fun, and, and it's it's got some. I, I just I, I love the pairing of those two, uh, the professionals with Lee Marvin and uh, Robert Ryan and Bert, but Lancaster, Lancaster. Uh, Ninth Configuration with Stacy Keach and uh, Adieu Lamy uh, with uh, Charles Charles Bronson and Elaine uh, Delon and like I said those are just right off the top of my fucking head so I'm sure I'm si- as soon as I made the list I was like okay what about Planet of the Apes which I oh you know, no I got I got one on the waterfront yeah there's another one. Yeah. Um, okay. So list, I mean, you know. You can... I opened up my flick chart. I cheated. Fucker. Uh, flick chart is where you kind of, if you haven't seen it, it's addictive. Basically, you get two movie posters at a time, and you choose the left movie or the right movie, and it slowly builds a chart a ranking cheater. them of what, what you chose over another. Anyway, my top five on there, mm-hmm. these are movies that have never gotten beaten. Uh, Godfather Part Two is number five. Well, that's a good one. Adaptation is number four. Mm-hmm. Godfather is three, No Country for Old Men is two, and Casablanca is one. Now, if I had to throw some extras in there, Ghostbusters has got to be in there. Blade Runner's got to be in there. Blade Runner's actually my number 12, but I feel like it should be higher. And Royal Tenenbaums probably goes in there, too. I love that movie. Yeah, I just thought The Hustler on the Waterfront and Cool Hand Luke probably have to be one through three for me. Oh. Cool so, you know, it's just so, you know, whatever. 
It's it's fun to play with lists because as soon as you make them, you're like, okay, well, what about this one? Oh, yeah, fuck, I forgot yeah. about French Connection, or I forgot yeah. about The Godfather, you know. Uh, do you want to um, read questions, or should I? Party Dollagogo was a good porn, and Pretty Peaches, and uh, <laughs> that, let's see, um, yeah, go ahead and read them. Okay. Uh, so we, we since we had, had a little bit of feed sack, we I posted to uh, get a few uh, questions on the group. Um, Jeff asked, uh, do you guys think Akira Kurosawa is overrated as a director? Nope. Gasp. You said nope. Um, God, no. I've said before that I don't always get into his movies, but I don't think he's overrated at all. If only for the fact that you can talk to almost any successful director from the 70s on who will probably put Akira Kurosawa near the top of their list as their biggest influence. Mm -hmm. And the number of films that his work has influenced in U.S. cinema is, you know, I mean, you might not be able to count them all. So, I mean, on that in that aspect, there's no way he's overrated. Um, there's, yeah, I'm counting like 10, 15 fucking movies that are just classics. Yeah. You know? oh, and I mean, and then you have the whole, I mean, you have the whole connection to Spielberg and George Lucas yeah. with him. And think about the movies that never would have happened. Sergio if, Leone, the fucking right? uh, spaghetti western, which uh, which changed westerns entirely. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I said, his movies have never been my favorite. I don't dislike them, but I, I, I it's I have to be in the mood for his. But there's no, I, he's not overrated anyway. No. Um. And uh, Andrew asked, uh, who is your favorite actor-turned-singer and favorite singer-turned-actor? Mine are Jackie Chan and Henry Rollins. Um, uh, Chris Jackie Chan did Jackie Chan. Does that mean Jackie Chan sang? Uh, oh, I thought those were your two. That's why I was giving no, them. No, those his. aren't mine, no. Those are his. Um, mine, uh, singer-turned-actors, Chris Christopherson, and uh, actor turned singer is not Patrick Swayze. <laughs> <laughs> She's like the wind Ooh. in my dreams. So, uh, but still, little... that was a good. Th I mean, you know, hey, that was a hit. So, with that one, okay. Actor so, musicians turned, turned actors. What I what Tom I would Cruise, assume Stacey what I'm assuming Jacks. there. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with both on saying that I like their acting. So, musician turned actor. Um, I've always thought Justin. We've talked about this one before. I've always thought Justin Timberlake does a good job acting. Yeah, like his movies or not, Will Smith made quite a quite a turn, going from you know kind of a goofy family, almost friendly uh, rap artist to you know comedy sitcom to I mean you know in Oscar talk. Mm -hmm. um, and then I know you hate him, but like uh, you know the Wahlberg brothers, both of them, both of them came from. Pretty shitty music, but it's I think just a yeah, I think they're both I think they're both very decent actors. So, what about actor turned singer? Actor turned singer. Um, <laughs> okay, we'll we'll say favorite. Not that I like his Stacey work on Jacks. either. Uh, David Hasselhoff. Hasselhoff. Yeah, <laughs> he's got he's he's entertaining for probably the wrong reasons on both sides. <laughs> Um, Jeff Bridges, who I don't really care for his music, but I love him as an actor. Yeah. And wait for it. I'm going to play a little clip here. See if you can guess who's, who is, uh, this musician. 
I heard the call, sirens sounding off, feeling guilty cause my day was spent fucking off, history's perverted me, words don't really come for me, you become the epitome of a fucking, I made it here despite the efforts of a few, so now it's time to simply say fuck you. <laughs> Any idea? Sounds familiar. I mean, it's w- Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> really? I think Joaquin Phoenix is a fucking brilliant actor. I can't say I enjoy his music, but if we're going by that rule of just acting, he is one of my favorite actors. <laughs> God, he's awful. But God, he's really Not a singer. Is he a great actor? What? Is he a great actor? He is a great actor. Yeah. I think he's very good. I don't know about the music music part, though. I was merely a child when I was discovered. <laughs> okay. I don't know if he's Eddie uh, Ramona when he did when he tried to rap. Ooh. That was bad. Yikes. <laughs> um let's see. Mark. I like listen to it. I don't know if I'd buy it, but Yeah. Um, what's your favorite? Mark asked, "What's your favorite Roger Corman directed film?" His is *The Raven*. Oh, okay, I have uh, probably. Well, I have two, but um, I like *Wild Angels* with Peter Fonda and Bruce Dern, and um, uh, never the, seen it. <laughs> the *Saint Valentine's Day Massacre* is not uh, real. Like Jason Robards plays Al Capone, and he looks about as much like Al Capone as you do. But I still like the movie. I just, you know, it's a cheapie, but I like it. Um, the I, when I looked through his list, I can't say I've seen any movie he's ever directed, except for Bloody Mama. So by default, <laughs> Bloody Mama with Shelley Winters is my favorite Roger Corman directed movie. I've seen plenty that he's produced. Yeah, oh yeah. But I haven't seen. I don't. I've I've not seen much that he's directed. Fifties and sixties B movies are not my. Uh, forte my my B my B movie appreciation starts in the seventies I think. <laughs> um, I guess we'll get Justin's thing in here. Uh, what was the worst experience you've had at a movie theater? Mm, I went to well, let me think. I've had a couple experiences where I went with a girl I was dating, and she was like the kind of person that if somebody um, came in to the theater like uh 30 seconds after the movie started and sat in front of us she would like say something like really smart to them out loud and start a fight Uh. and so then i'm kind of like jesus fucking christ um but um the worst experience in a theater i walked out of uh dodgeball and i walked (laughs) out of maximum overdrive Ah, I walked out of the last seduction. The last seduction was that Linda Linda Fiorentino. Yeah, I've never. That's the only movie I've ever walked out of. Um, I don't know if I ever had like any kind of a problem. I was. I don't know what it was. I didn't like. I I was in. I was in high school when I saw it. Maybe freshman in college, but I. It was not ringing with me at all. I didn't really dig that one. I can't remember what I went to see one one time, and I would say for about the first. 15 or 20 minutes the 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 projector was fucked up 
and people just constantly kept going back and complaining and they didn't fix it and didn't fix it. Then when they finally fixed it, we're like 20, 25 minutes in and they started it from the beginning. So <laughs> you were in there forever, but you know, that was, I mean, that just sucks, but that I can't think sometimes. of anything really horrible. The The worst experience was when I saw Pulp Fiction in the theater. Um, have I told this story before? And oh well, all the all the uh, the, uh, the black guys behind us that would get pissed and were yeah. yelling and the kicking N-word. chairs. But every time the N word was used in the movie, which is about five hundred goddamn times, and like I, I was in that situation where it's like I can't I can't really say anything <laughs> without Oops, looking like a yeah. You should have yeah. jumped up and said, "Hey, say N word, stop." Yeah, yeah. Go back where you came from. <laughs> Uh, what's the best experience you've ever had in a theater? I had a girl when we went to see the first X-Men movie, uh-huh. uh, and we had just started dating, um, like reach over and start, um, like making out with me. And then was kind of like put her leg, like all the way over on top of me. And then was like manipulating me with her hand. Ooh. And that you was know- pretty awesome. I have never done anything like other than like making out some. I've never done anything sexual in a movie theater. Yeah, that was I was like, Jesus Christ. You're a um, Let's see. Best <laughs> off the top of my head. I'd say there was a one really cool one where well, I mean, I had some really fun like when I worked at the theater, so that was kind of like a cheating a little bit, mm-hmm. but like we watched like in the middle of the night, a huge group of us all like watched Back to the Future together. It was like one of the last nights the theater was even open before it was torn down. Mm. That was really fun. As far as like legit like going to the theater paying for a ticket, um, when I went to see, I think it was, um, the first Star Wars prequel. Mm. We had a, a huge group of people going, and it was really late. And we there was a grocery store right right next door to the movie theater, and we went in and got so much food. We had chips and dip, and we had two rows of people just like sharing food, and like we were the only people in the theater. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun. The movie blew, but the <laughs> but the experience. Yeah, yeah, was fun. yeah. And then the movie started, and then you know. <laughs> but yeah, we had like that. You know that ruffles like uh, comes in a jar, the French onion dip. Yeah. We had that in there. Uh, we had all kinds of fucking like junk food from the from the grocery store. <laughs> I don't even know how we got it in there. It was so much, but that was that was a lot of fun. All right, that's it for the sacks and the questions. And you can always send those to two zero six three three nine sixteen hundred or silvergoldpodcast at gmail dot com. And download our show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and our website at silverandgold dot com. And join our Facebook group to take part in the questions and other such debauchery at facebook.com slash groups slash Silva and Gold. Gold. Uh, don't know what we're reviewing next week yet. We will announce it on the group. More reason to join. Two movies. Two movies. Will be I got up. some ideas. I, I'm already, I've already, uh, I got nothing. Uh, have two in my mind. I got nothing. Maybe you can name both. I got, I got shit for ideas. I'll figure something out. Cool. Well, until next time, this is a love. Oot. Oot is om. Bye. Wow. Well.